What a beautiful day it is. So good to see you all. And I just want to welcome all those. Thank you very much. Thank you to all those who are watching online. We're glad you can tune in and be here with us today. We're very, we're very happy about that. And uh, yeah, it's a good day. Wonderful. All right. Well, last week we, um, we had Paula and she spoke to us about different types of prayer and some of those were supplication and thanksgiving. You can go back and you can watch last week, which I encourage you to because it was very good and find out what all of those are. But she, um, but, but the thing about all kinds of prayer is they have some common factors and the common factors of all kinds of prayer is that they're all talking to God. And also the scripture says in James 5.16, it says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And if we come at prayer with that attitude of what the scripture says prayer is, powerful and effective, it really just changes the whole perspective that we have on prayer. And if we are convinced of what the Bible says, then we will be doing that. We will be praying because we'll come at it with, with not, oh, I've got to pray. I've got to pray for, you know, let me, let me sit here and make supplication. Let me sit here and do thanksgiving because I have to do it. But when you understand what the scripture says about prayer, that it is powerful and that it's effective, then all of a sudden your thoughts about prayer are, oh, what a grace prayer is. Oh, I am so glad that in this world that is filled, absolutely filled with hopelessness, sadness, emptiness, war, uh, poverty, cruelty, and we could sit there and be, feel so helpless, absolutely helpless. And God knew that. God knew this would happen when sin came into the world. He knew we were going to have to be faced with this every day. When we turn on the news, when we take our kids to school and see some of the other children's sad lives that you know that, you know, the, the stories behind their lives, people at our jobs who are struggling and, and the sad things. And we could just sit there and just be like the rest of the world and just be like, wow, that stinks, doesn't it? But God said, no, I am giving you a tool. I am giving you something, and it is powerful, and it is, it is effective. And that's why we should be praying, okay? And we, we need, as the people of God, to be coming um, to our prayer times with that attitude. Well, I'm going to do something right now that is powerful and effective, not a waste of time. Not, oh, I, you know, I, have, I really should be doing other things, you know. When it's powerful and effective and we know it, then we're going to be doing it. Yeah. And it's going to be making a difference. All right. Now, we know that praying for ourselves is super important, right? Yeah. We, we need to be praying for ourselves, right? But God's given us prayer not just for ourselves. He's also given us this gift, this grace of prayer for others in our lives. So like I said, so that when you find the people in your life, in your world, in your circles, and you just, they, they just have these hopeless situations, these hopeless things going on in their world, that 
We have this beautiful gift, this effective and powerful gift that God has given to us to use so that we could impart what God is thinking about these people to these people, the strength and the faith they need, the healing they need, the wisdom they need. So our prayers are not just for ourselves. We are to be praying for those around us in our lives. You know, as Christians, I know, this happens to me all the time. People come to you, right, maybe at work. They know you're a Christian. They know um, it could be another Christian who's just having a weak moment but or just an unsaved person who just knows that you're a godly person and so they feel like they want to just, you know, pour out their hearts on you. And that's great. That's wonderful that they, they find that. But as they're talking, you're looking at them and in your head you're thinking, oh, wow, I just know God has a good plan for your life. You're not, you may not be saying it, but you're just looking at them and saying, if you had Jesus in your life, you know, this, this would go away, this problem. And you're thinking these great thoughts that you have about them. And the thing is that God is thinking those thoughts. And, and the gift that you've been given is this, that you don't have to just sit there and think, isn't it terrible? They don't have Jesus. Isn't it terrible? Because you could then pray powerful and effective prayers on behalf of that person. You don't have to sit there helpless. You don't have to sit there hopeless. You get to pray for those people. And have for them what you're thinking, what you know they could have in their lives. Okay. Now, God wants uh, us, you and me, the believers, to be that link, a link between what God has planned for these people and, and then that plan coming to pass in their lives. All right. Here's a quote by a woman called Elizabeth Elliot. She's a very well-known missionary and an author, very wonderful woman. You can Google her, Elizabeth Elliot. And she said this about prayer. Prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between his will and its accomplishment on earth. Amazing things happen, and we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. It's a privilege to be able to take someone else before the throne of God and pray for them. And then you get to be that link that link between what, what God is thinking and what God wants to do in their life. And you can become that link for another person. Okay, now the Bible actually commands Christians to pray for one another. Did you know that was an actual command? In James 5.16, which I mentioned earlier, which is, I read you the second half, which says that prayer is powerful and effective, right? Well, the first half of that scripture goes like this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, the idea in this scripture or the context of this scripture is that when you have weaknesses in your life and you have things going on, like I talked about before, sicknesses, bills, family problems, impossible things, difficult things, that as a Christian, you are meant to be going to other Christians that you trust, that you know, maybe they're in your connect groups. Do you have a connect group? Little plug for connect groups here. Those are our midweek meetings that we meet at people's houses. They're small groups. 
that's another name for them. And you can go and meet individual Christians, because this is a big setting, isn't it? There's a lot of people here, and sometimes you can get lost in the sauce, right? But to have a more personal experience and to meet individual Christians from the family of God, you could be going to connect groups. But the scriptures are saying you are meant to go to these people, to Christians, and talk about the things going on in your life so that they can pray for you, and it says that you may be healed. That's what's meant to be happening in, in, in the Christian world. Now, when it says healed, it doesn't always mean a physical healing. It could be, but it could be maybe you have bills so that that situation can be healed, that God could do his work. That's how powerful prayer is, that, that it's a command, that you go and share your weaknesses with your brothers and sisters in Christ so that they will pray for you. Wonderful. My hope here today is that you'll know that you don't have to sit there like the world and be hopeless. The world is hopeless. They watch stuff on TV. They watch wars happening on television. What can we do? What can we do when we see innocent children on the news crying, hungry, dirty, um, you know, in hospitals with limbs missing and blood? What can we do? The Bible says we can pray. And it's powerful, and it's effective, and it's a command. Okay. Now, when you pray for others, it actually has a name in the scripture, and it's called interceding. It's a big fancy name for praying for others. (laughs) Okay? Interceding, or prayers of intercession. All right? So, if you're note-taking, that's what you write there. A prayer of intercession is praying for someone else. Okay, who? It could be an individual. It could be maybe a whole group, like a whole family that you know that needs prayer. It could be a whole church. You could be praying for your church. You could be praying for family church. You have the power to pray for a whole country. And actually, it says in the scripture, another command is to be praying for leaders of countries. We need to be praying for our prime minister, I know it's so easy to just complain, and maybe I didn't vote for him. I mean, none of us actually did, did we? Because he just came into play, didn't he? So, you know, you might say, what do I have to do with it? But the Bible commands us to pray for our leaders. It says so that we might live quiet lives, that we might live in peace. So be praying for others. Be praying for your leaders of your country. And be praying for countries that you see on the news and be praying for their peace and for God's will to to be enacted in those places. The thing is, we all know people who need our prayers, all of us. People with all sorts of issues, marriage issues, family, health issues. Um, People you know people you're very close to maybe, and you know that they have family members who are not walking with the Lord and it's breaking their heart. You could be praying for that. Now, there's some very notable people in the scriptures, in the Bible, and they were known for being intercessors, people who prayed for others. Um, And in some cases, they changed the course of history. And I'm talking, um, I'm going to give you an example here, Esther from the Bible. Can I tell you that Esther, and I don't mean this with any insult, she was a nobody. She was an orphan. She was being looked after by a relative. She sort of got wrangled into a beauty contest and made her way, because she was very beautiful, she made her way into the court of a king who was completely ungodly. 
And there was a terrible, at the time of, of Esther coming into being the queen, a terrible plot was hatched against her people. She was a Jewish woman, and uh, a man who hated the Jewish people said, um, I want to eradicate the Jews from the earth. And he, um, he was planning a genocide. And Esther got the people together. She got her people together. And she said, we are going to fast and we are going to pray. Because that bad plan was happening. It was in motion. It would have happened. And it was the prayers of Esther leading the intercession for her people that God moved on behalf of Esther's prayers and Esther leading her people in prayer and stopped this genocide in its tracks and removed the enemy of the Jews. And she changed the course of history. There would be no Jewish people on the earth today had Esther not done what she had done. And what could she do? Okay, I know you say, oh, she was the queen. She had, a, she had no power. She had no power. Had she walked into the presence of the king without all that prayer backing that she was praying, he could have killed her just for the disrespect or if he was having a bad day or if he had, you know, like a, a hangnail or something. That's what it was like. But she found the favor of God. Was that a coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think had she, the Bible makes it clear that it was because she prayed and interceded and believed that God would make a way where there seemed no way. Okay. So we learn from the notable people. Other people, Job, Job, you know, the guy with all the trouble in his life. God told him, said, Job, pray for your friends because his friends were, were in sin. He said, pray for them. And I'll forgive them, and also I'll heal you, Job. So Job did the same. He did what God said, pray for others. And it worked out that the others were, were made well, and he was made well. There were so many more, Moses, Daniel. They changed the course of history through their prayers. Okay, now God wants to use you and me as conduits of change in other people's lives. Um, and it could be anyone, like I said. Maybe it's a neighbor or a family member. And the reason why God wants us praying for others is because the Christian life was never meant to be lived in isolation. That's why we are called the family of God. You cannot successfully live out your Christian life just in isolation. Like no man is an island. It's true when it comes to, a Christ to being a Christian. There is no such thing as, oh, it's just me and Jesus. No, we are are a family. The, the, the children of God, is not, we're not an organization over the whole earth. We are a family in the eyes of God, and we are not meant to do this on our own. So being that we're not meant to do this on our own, this is how we're meant to see it. When someone else is suffering, particularly in the body of Christ, another brother, another sister, what we are meant to be viewing this, this is the view we're meant to take, is we are the hands, we are the feet, we are the voice for the suffering of our family. That's who we're meant to be. We are meant to be taking it seriously, what the scripture says, that we are a family. And when someone in your family is hurting, it hurts you. 
And you do something about that. You do whatever you can do. And God has, like I said, given us something that we can do. We never have to be sitting there hopeless and helpless when we have prayer. And we should be the the voice for a brother or a sister and be praying to God. It actually says in Galatians 6.2, it says, carry or bear each other's burdens. And in that way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? When I read that, that's the first thing that hit me. I said, what's the law of Christ? I thought there was no more law. We're not under law. We're under grace. And then I remembered that Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And one way that we can show our love for one another and carry out that commandment of Jesus to love one another is to bear each other's burdens. And that's what we do when we take prayer to God for another person. You are lightening that person's load. You're taking what that person, that heaviness, and you're taking it from them. And you are carrying that burden to the Lord, and you are lightening the load of another person. You're, you're carrying out the command of Galatians 6.2 to bear another person's burden. And, and also, let's remember this, that in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul lists prayer as one of the tools that we can use against demonic forces that come against us and the people in our lives. Prayer is one of those tools Now, some of the problems that are going on in our lives and in the lives of those around us are going to be spiritual in nature. And, for example, Job, right? Job did not, you all know about Job, right? Did everyone know about Job? He had terrible things happening to him. Family members were dying. He became destitute. He was a very well-off man and he became poor. Um, He was so sick. He just, this just suddenly came upon him. And if you read the book of Job, you will know, the reader knows, that a whole conversation happened in heaven um, before the throne of God between Satan and God. And we know the reasons why those were happening. But Job didn't know why those things were happening. They seemed purely physical. It seemed like, well, my family just, just died. I just got sick. My, my money all just dried up. I'm just suddenly in poverty. But we know there was a spiritual reason behind all the problems of Job. And that is the case today as well. That it might just seem the things that we see on the news or in our own lives are purely just natural. It's happenstance. It just happened. Some of those things are going to be spiritual. And when there is a spiritual problem, it needs a spiritual solution. And the way you do that is through prayer. You take it to God. You take it to him. And it doesn't get more spiritual than taking it to, to God, okay? So it's go- there are some problems that are go- they're not going to go away unless you pray, unless you pray, okay? Um, and you know, you might people meet people very resistant to prayer. Okay, if they don't want you to pray for them then and there, honor that. That's fine. But they cannot stop you in your prayer closet, okay? (laughs) You can pray what you want before the Heavenly Father, and actually He encourages it. Because you know what? They may not want prayer, but they need prayer. And you need to be that warrior that God has called you to be on behalf of that person, even if they don't want it, 
even if they're rejecting it. And uh, hey, everyone rejected Jesus, but we needed Jesus, didn't we? They might be rejecting you um, and, and your prayer. You pray anyway. You pray anyway. And how do you know if you should be praying for someone? I mean, you got a lot on your plate, right? You got a lot of people in your life. You got a lot of kids. You got a spouse. You've got friends. Who should you be praying for? And my answer is this, and I believe this is the biblical answer. When you see the need, that's the call to pray. The need is the call. You know, if someone just happens to come to you at work and they start sharing their heart, you want to know something? Take that as, you know what? I feel God wants me to pray. That's why this person's telling me this. Because maybe no one else would pray for this person. Maybe no one else would take that burden off that person and bring it before the Father. And that might be the mandate that's falling now to you to do that. So the, the need is the call. Now, you all know, I think it's been shared through the weeks that we've been talking about prayer. That, um, and, but if you don't, I'll remind you. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12, Peter had been arrested, and he was in a deep, dark part of the prison. He was chained up between two officers for his faith. He was going to be killed. Also, another uh, person from the Bible in the same chapter, James, was also in prison for his faith, also was going to be put to death. And sadly... James was killed for his faith. He was martyred. It says that he was killed by the sword. And so because the king at that time thought, oh, this made the people happy, you know, the ungodly people, to kill James. I'm now going to kill Peter. Now, Acts chapter 12 makes it very clear that the people were interceding, praying for Peter. It doesn't say anybody was praying for James. Read the chapter. Nobody. It, it doesn't mention anyone was praying for James. And James's outcome was dire, wasn't it? it? It was unto death. But it says about Peter, but prayer was made without ceasing for him. Now, I think the reason for that. This chapter being written as it was and for showing us that one was not prayed for, and I don't know why, it doesn't say why he wasn't prayed for, and while one was prayed for so much, I think we could take, have a takeaway from that, and we could take from that that could there have been a different outcome for James? Could there have been? We're meant to ask ourselves that question. And I cannot give a conclusive answer to that question because the Bible doesn't say, but it does want us to take away and think about then. Think about that. But I think in our situations, I think that we're to learn this. Rather than not pray, pray. Rather than not pray, pray. Because we see in this chapter that it definitely had a bearing on the outcome of Peter's life, okay? Now, the best gift you can give anyone is heartfelt prayers, and I add heartfelt in there because, you know, not token prayers, not, oh, bless, bless us for no more, blah, blah, you know, there you go, I got to go now. You know, even if it's a short prayer, have your heart attached to that prayer, you know, because with God, the more I read the Bible from the old to the new, everything is about the heart. The heart matters before God. And when he sees that your heart is aching for another, when he sees that love, that genuine love in your heart for another, it moves God. It moves God. So heartfelt prayers are the best you can give anyone on this earth. The best gift you can give your family, again, heartfelt prayers 
prayers regarding your children, anyone who has children here. In 1 Kings chapter 11, um, King David, who was like the greatest king of Israel ever, a godly man, he had died at this point. And his son, Solomon, had now taken the throne. And he started out well, being a godly man, but he fell terribly, and he became very much ungodly. Um, now, you all know with David, he was a man of prayer. I mean, the book of Psalms in the Bible, he primarily wrote all the Psalms of the Bible, and all the Psalms are, are prayers to music. He was a praying man, and I believe he prayed for Solomon and prayed for his family. Anyway, his son was now king, not a good king, because he was not godly, and God was going to take the throne away from Solomon. You could read it in 1 Kings 11. Now, I'm going to paraphrase. This is my paraphrase here of what God God said to Solomon, I should take the throne away from you, but because of your father, David, I won't. Okay? Now, that shows me that a godly, praying parent has influence. Even one day when you are not here anymore, your prayers still mean a lot for your children. Your godly life and your godly prayers as a parent for your children can be the greatest legacy that you leave your children. It can be the greatest legacy that you leave them. You know, my mom was a praying woman. She really was. And she prayed earnest and heartfelt prayers. I could hear her sometimes. Sometimes she would, I do this to my kids, um, as I was going out to school in the morning, she'd grab me and say, well, let's pray first. <laughs> and I used to, you know, when I was like 12, I was like, okay, here we go. But you know what? Um, I never thought, never in my whole life, I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. Never thought I would be in ministry. Never thought I would be helping to uh, establish churches and run churches. Never in a million years. And you want to know, if you met me when I was a teenager, you'd say, oh no, not her. <laughs> Definitely not her. I was shy. I wouldn't say boo to a goose. I was like, I was the last person. You would say, oh yeah, she should, she should speak in front of churches. Definitely her. No, no way. I am doing what I do today because of the prayers of my mother. I am walking today on the prayers of my faithful, godly mother. And she has been with Jesus for many, many, many years. And I'm still walking on those prayers. This is how powerful your prayers are for others. And in particular, parents for your children. You need to rise up, parents, and be that godly praying parent that he's called you to be. For your spouse, if you are married here, Ecclesiastes 4.10 says this. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. <laughs> That's how I hear that verse right there. You're in real trouble if you're alone and you fall. When you are not praying for your spouse, when there's no prayer happening for your spouse, they are alone. They are alone. They do not have the prayer covering, that effective and powerful prayer that you can offer for them. And we don't want that. You know, here's a, a thing that happened many, many years ago. You might not know this. Andy almost died. We were on holiday, and we were in France. And his appendix burst, and we were in the middle of nowhere France, okay? We were in the countryside. It was nobody spoke English, and we were alone. And I found this little country hospital, and we got him to the hospital. And um, it, it looked really bad for him, actually, because um, he got in. They, they did surgery on him, and um, the next day, um, I went in. 
And the doctor said to me, and oh, and I got everyone praying. I had my kids praying. I was praying because I couldn't be there in the hospital with him. They sent me back to where we were staying while they did all that they were doing on Andy. Um, we were praying, and we called England, and we got everybody we knew to pray as well. And, um, and uh, when I went to see the doctor, he said, I, and in very broken French, it was, it was really, they hardly, nobody spoke English but this one guy, and it was very broken. And he said to me, he said, I think your husband might be Superman. <laughs> and I went, what? What? He said, I think he might be Superman. They said, he really shouldn't be okay. They said, when we opened him up, they said it was the worst appendix they had ever seen. And not just that, it was filled with mine. I don't mean to be disgusting, but it was filled with pus. He said, but it had created a wall around itself. And all of it was contained. He said, had that burst and that not happened, he would be dead of sepsis in, in, a, in a short time, minutes maybe. And I sat there like this, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. But you see what praying for others had, isn't that, I mean, life could have been different. That was life-changing for me. That was life-changing for me. And um, again, like James and like Peter, you know, did prayer make a difference? I believe so. I believe so, and I coveted those prayers. I felt such peace when I should have been falling apart while I didn't know what was happening to my husband in, in a hospital around, you know, in the middle of the countryside where nobody could tell me anything. And I had peace, and I know that was prayer. Okay. Um, okay, so the Bible also has another terminology for prayer, uh, for intercession, and it's this. It's, you might hear this in, in the Christian world. It's called standing in the gap. Now, where does that expression come from regarding prayer? Ezekiel 22.30. Hear this scripture. This is God speaking, okay? I, God, looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Now, in ancient times, cities had walls, okay? So the wall was there to be um, protected from, from uh, armies coming in and devouring them, right? Because that would happen all the time in the ancient world. So if you had no wall, you were in trouble. Or if you had a wall and there was a break in the wall, a gap in the wall, and in such a case the um, people of that city would put a strong soldier or soldiers in the place of that gap in the wall to um, protect it and defend against anybody getting in, okay? Now, um, what God is saying in that scripture right there is spiritually, he was speaking about the city of Jerusalem, and he's saying Jerusalem has gaps in her wall. They were not following after God at that time. There are gaps in the wall. And I have looked out over the whole land for someone to pray, to pray for this country. And at that time, sadly, there was a lot of godlessness in a country that should have been so godly. And there was no one who could pray. And that city fell to, um, to the Babylonians because no one would pray. There was no one who could pray. Let's never say that about, have to say that about the people in our lives. We're going to meet people every day, our children, our spouses, um, the, the person at work who sits next to you, that, that, that uni student who, who's in the next dorm room. You know, everybody we are seeing at one time or another is going to have gaps in their wall 
for one reason or another, you be the soldier. You be the soldier who stands in the gap, who prays, who, who lifts that person up until, until the gap is fixed, until it's sorted out and the enemy no longer has a way to get into that person's life. You know, like I said before, we could look at the problems of the world and we could say it's really hopeless. There's, you know, what can I do? You know, or we could say we might be another kind of person who says praying is just a waste of time. You know, I'm a doer. I like to do stuff. I like to see a need and I like to fill it. I'm a doer. And you want to know, that's great. It's great to be a doer. It's great if you see a need you can fill it. But I mentioned this before, that sometimes we do not know why something is the way it is. And that possibly it's spiritual in nature. You know, why is that person suffering so much? Why is that person so steeped in addiction? Why? It just doesn't make sense. Why is there so much chaos involved in this situation? Hmm. Or how about this one? To, to maybe people you've met in your life, we've all met these kind of people. Why do they just hate God so much? Why do they hate Christians so much? It just seems so irrational. You know, possibly there is a spiritual reason for that. Now, the scripture says that we in this life, we wrestle in this life with spiritual darkness and wickedness, and that it's not apparent to the eye. Demonic forces um, will sometimes be the reason behind what's going on in someone's life. Something got in that gap in the wall. And your prayers, and I'm ending it here, okay? That's, I'm finished now. Um, your prayers could be the, the very thing that snatches that person out of the grips of the enemy. Your prayers. That's how powerful your prayers are for others. Absolutely just snatching them from the enemy's grips. Now, you need to look at prayer as the powerful and effective thing that God made it. You also need to view it not as a waste of time, but as an investment of your time. It is an investment of your time. And this is what God says. It's an offering of love for a very needy world. And God says, if you read in 1 Corinthians 13, I believe that whatever we do with love is what is what actually counts before God. So be praying. Be praying for those around you. It is powerful. It is effective. And you and me, we are the warriors that need to be standing in the gap now. Amen. Amen. So that's where I'm going to end it. So go home. Your homework is to pray. Your homework is to find another and pray for them as well as for yourself. And it's such a privilege to be able to do that. Now, I know um, there could be people here today and you might not have a relationship with God at all. And you might have seen a lot of people really excited in worship and really, you know, this lady up at the front here is just really excited about God and all that. And the reason being is because we know him. We have a relationship with him. He is our father and we can talk with him. And maybe you don't have a relationship with God like that, but you'd like one like that. What I'm going to do right now is we're all going to close our eyes. We're we're going to bow our heads, everyone in the room. I'm going to pray a prayer. You just repeat after me. Everyone's going to do it, okay? Yes, Lord. Dear Father, 
I come to you in Jesus' name. I've sinned, Lord, and I ask forgiveness for all my sins. Lord, I want to know you and your son, Jesus. And I want a relationship with you, God. And I want to know you today, Father. So I give my life to you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, everybody keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. No one's looking around. Did did anyone pray that for the very first time today? Is there anyone who's prayed that for the very first time? It's a little bit hard for me to see, see all the hands up here. Okay, thank you. You know, there are people, and they've raised their hand, and this is the best decision that you could have made today. You can all lift, lift your heads up now. That's wonderful. Now, what I would ask you to do is after the service, you can go to the back, whoever raised their hand, and there's some people at the back, and, there's a, and it says, best decision ever made. Go around there, and people have some literature to give you, and they would just love to say hello to you, okay? Love to say hello to you and to be welcome you into the family of God. Amen. Well, you know what? We're going we're gonna to head off now to our, our busy lives and our weeks, and, and, um, and we're, all, we're all ready now. We all know we're going to be praying this week, but I just want to bless you all as you go. Here we go. I'm going to just bless you in the name of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Have a lovely week.